Welcome to Nationwide Market Insights for January 14th, 2022. The new year began with historically high inflation rates, resulting from lingering COVID-related supply chain disruptions and expansionary fiscal and monetary policy. The unemployment rate continues to improve, drawing closer to pre-pandemic levels, with many companies unable to fill job openings. And the Fed has hinted at a more hawkish approach this year, with expectations for tightening monetary policy. In today's episode, Nationwide's Chief Economist David Burson and Senior Economist Ben Ayers share their 2022 outlook for the economy, Fed policy, and how the financial markets could be impacted. And now, here's David Burson. Hey, thanks for joining us today. Ben Ayers and I are going to be talking about the outlook for 2022 uh, for both the economy and financial markets and policy. So then let's start with uh, where we ended 2021. How would you characterize the economy last year? Well, you know, up and down. Certainly the first half of the year was very strong. And then things got a little more bumpier in the third quarter, particularly because of supply chain disruptions and the onset of the Delta variant and some you know, cutback and overall activity that we saw in the middle part of 2021. But really, all indications, we'll get the number in a couple of weeks, are that the economy ended 2021 on a relatively high note. It looked like activity picked up in the fourth quarter, and we're going to end on a pretty solid note, which does imply some good momentum into 2022. Well, I, I think you're right with the momentum, but let's go back to COVID. So Delta is sort of fading now, but Omicron has taken its place. And indeed, we're seeing the, the highest new infection rates that we've seen since COVID started. How, how do you think that's going to impact the economy in 2022? Well, it does present some more downside risks, you know, particularly Earlier in the year, I think the first quarter, hopefully not into the second quarter, but at least the first quarter, talking about some downside risk to overall activity. But increasingly, we're seeing that consumers have grown used to it, and we've adjusted our patterns. Sure, maybe we won't be going out to as many service activities. We're not going to be going out to the symphonies or maybe not going to movie theaters as much for a little while. But still, I think that's pretty marginal, and, and overall, I think it will have a um, a less impact, certainly, than what we've seen with prior variants, despite the number of cases. And I think that does present some upside for the middle part of the year as we start to see things unwind. And hopefully we're talking about finally, officially, that post-pandemic type environment and, and see a surge in activity again, maybe just as we saw in, in the first half of 2021. Well, what are you looking for? Let, let's start big picture and then we'll go down to different parts of the economy. What are you looking for for 2022 overall and and how does that compare with 2021 we're still looking for well above trend growth uh current estimate would be somewhere between four and four and a half percent for real gdp growth that's a little bit slower than what we saw for 2021 where it looks like we'll be about 5.7 percent for 2021 but so both those numbers are very strong Uh, you think about the pre-covid period and particularly the the 10 years since the great financial crisis, GDP's only averaged about 2%. Um, so even if we only get the 4% for 2022, we're more than double uh, what we've been averaging in the pre-COVID era. So we are expecting very strong growth. Yet again, some downside risks, but I, I think yet again, above trend growth is uh, is what we're expecting, maybe just not quite as strong as what we saw in 2021. So that's two years in a row of growth 
well above trend. The unemployment rate's already under 4%. I think the thing that is perhaps most on people's mind right now is inflation. Of course, we just ended 2021 with the uh, fastest inflation in 39 years. How does that carry over to 2022? Are are we going to see some improvement in inflation? Is it going to still stay high? What? I think we will see improvement, but obviously we're starting at a very high level. We just got the number for the consumer price index for the end of 2021. We were at 7% on a year-over-year basis in December. So very high starting point. We do think things will decelerate. Um, But as you mentioned, there's still a lot of upward pressure, particularly thinking about supply chains. Those are going to take some time to improve. Maybe we're talking the second half of 2022 that we're talking about a little bit more towards normal activity on the supply front. But still, in the meantime, that means above average goods prices. And as you mentioned, the labor market is very tight as well. And that's putting upward pressure on wages. And certainly many businesses, particularly on the services side, which are still kind of recovering from all the shock that we've seen over the past couple of years, might have to increase those prices just to offset some of those wage increases. So we do think inflation will decelerate over 2022, particularly as some of those very strong numbers that we got in the first half of 2021 fall off the numbers. But still, by the end of the year, probably still about 3.5% for consumer inflation. But yet again, the pre-COVID trend more like 1.8 to 2%. So we're well above normal is the expectation even by the end of 2022 and probably over the course of the year being throughout the year being above average. Now you mentioned supply chain problems and clearly we saw that, for example, with autos where um, there simply weren't enough microchips and that had a huge negative impact on auto sales for much of the second half of the year. Do you see supply chains improving this year? And what impact will that have on on industries such as autos, but also what impact might that have on inflation? Well, we have already seen some improvement. Um, If you look at the numbers for the end of the 2021 for the ISM Manufacturing Index did imply some lower input prices and a little bit faster uh, supplier delivery. So we already see some signs of improvement, but obviously still very stressed. Uh, And unfortunately, the COVID, the Omicron impacts, we haven't seen as much of that impact Asia yet, and, and, and as much as that does continue to you know, disrupt supply chains, disrupt shipping across the Pacific Ocean, uh, it's like to be extended. So I, I, I'm not looking for much improvement, at least in the first quarter, and maybe not even the second quarter. Hopefully by the time we get to the third quarter into the fourth, we're starting to see improvement. Particularly autos is one of those sectors that's most sensitive to this. We've already heard that some of the, the chip shortages have begun to ease but still very slow. And I think probably not talking to the middle of the year until we're talking about auto inventories picking up anywhere close to what they were pre-COVID or what they need to be given the strong demand we're seeing out in the market. So let's talk some more about the job market. You know, the unemployment rate ended 2021 at 3.9%. It's only 0.4 percentage points above where it was before COVID started. And that was a 50-year low. If the economy is going to grow at an above trend rate. How low do you think the unemployment rate could go, say, by the end of this year? Well, you know, you look pre-COVID, the low in the couple months ahead of the pandemic was about 3.5%. And it doesn't take very far from where we are right now at 3.9% to get down to that 3.5%. Really, the key factor is going to be labor force participation. 
Uh, right now, the labor force participation rate is well below what it was pre-COVID level, and that tells us that there's still a couple million folks that are sitting on the sidelines. Um, maybe some of those folks retired. Maybe some of those folks are concerned still about the pandemic and haven't re-entered the labor force, or maybe they're still dealing with kids and going from remote schooling back to in-schooling back and forth. But either way, that's going to be the swing factor for this next year is how many of those folks come back in. Um, if more than come back in than we expect, that might prevent those uh, the unemployment rate from declining too much over the next year. Uh, and if we don't see as many people come in, it's just going to get tighter and tighter. So, you know, I look at the end of 2022, I think a reasonable estimate at this stage would be about the mid threes, maybe even down to the low threes. Uh, and yet again, that would be some of the lowest readings that we've seen for the unemployment rate over the past 60, 70 years. Well, that would indeed be very low. We got... Uh... You know, well, well down in, in below three and a half percent. It's been a long time since we've been there. In fact, the last time we were three and a half percent or below three and a half percent. And we got there just when the COVID crisis hit and we were just a tad below that in 69 just for that recession. So really, you'd have to go back to um, the early to mid 50s uh, before the, uh, the recession that hit in 1954 to see unemployment rates decisively below three and a half percent. And I agree, there is a, I would say, a positive risk for the job market overall, that we could see that unemployment rate move down in the low 3% range. I don't know that we get in the twos. There are some people looking at uh, for unemployment by the end of the year to be in the upper 2% range. And that could indeed happen if, as you say, the um, labor force participation rate doesn't pick up. Now, you know, it ended the year at 61.9%, which uh, is the highest it's been since the COVID recession started. But it, it's still well below where we were in the pre-COVID period of time. Uh, at some point, though, it's going to go back down again simply because of demographics. More and more people in the baby boom cohort will be leaving the labor force just as they age out of it. And, uh, you know, we, we've seen since about 2000 downward trend in that labor force participation rate. So I think uh, at some point, not necessarily in the next year or two, because we're still being driven by cyclical factors, but eventually I think those those trend, long-term trend demographic factors will take over and that participation rate is going to go down again. And what that means though, is if the unemployment rate goes down this year because the economy is still very strong, ultimately as the participation rate goes down further, we could see unemployment rates, maybe again, not this year, but in the next couple of years, back down to where they were in the 1950, early 1950s period, but, but we'll see. Well, why don't you uh, ask me some questions now about what we're seeing in financial markets and, uh, and uh, policy from the Fed? Sure. You know, this is, a, I think it's still a pretty optimistic outlook for next year, given the strong economic growth and the, the continued improvements that we expect to see in the labor market. But obviously that inflation lingers in the background. So we, we've seen a bit of a pivot from the Fed over the past couple of months, you know, uh, changing from, you know, that shift from very accommodative policy that they're putting forward over the past two years or so um, towards thinking towards tightening. What do we see for the Fed, you know, both in the near term and over the rest of the year in response to the, the outlook that we have right here? Well, the Fed has given us some indication you know, once uh, once a quarter, the Federal Open Market Committee, made up of the Federal Reserve Board members and the regional Federal Reserve Bank presidents, 
come out with a, a with forecasts and um, they say where they think GDP will be, the unemployment rate, and most interestingly, the federal funds rate, which is the primary tool by which the Fed conducts monetary policy. Now, they don't say whose forecast is whose, but they, they put all the forecasts out there. And if you look for, for this year, by the end of the year, the federal funds rate is expected to be either 0.75% or 1% sort of right between those two, which, which suggests three to four 25 basis point tightenings on the part of the Fed. Of course, it's, it's zero now. So if you get 75, that's three. And if you get 100 basis points, that's four. With more tightening next year, probably uh, another uh, three tightenings next year, which would bring the federal funds rate up between one and a half and one and three quarters, and then a bit more in 2024. So the Fed is looking ultimately within just a couple of years at tightening by about 200 basis points, which is um, you know a, a decent increase over a two-year period. But even beyond that, you know, we know that in the last two recessions, after the COVID recession, after the uh, um, the Great Recession, uh, when the Fed brought the federal funds rate to zero and wanted to do more, didn't want to have negative interest rates, so it it conducted quantitative easing. It started buying longer-term Treasuries plus AAA mortgage-backed securities. And it was thought that the Fed would not do anything there until later. But just a week ago, we got minutes from that December FOMC meeting. And uh, the minutes said that there were active discussions of the Fed this year starting to do what we could call quantitative tightening, allowing the Fed balance sheet to, uh, to go down. And that's a pretty powerful tool. So we may be facing sort of two-fisted Fed tightening this year, with the Fed raising the federal funds rate, what we'd consider regular monetary policy tightening, plus the Fed allowing its um, balance sheet to uh, to shrink, allowing its assets to run off as mortgages prepay and as some of the, the intermediate-term treasuries simply uh, expire. I don't think, though, that we'll see the Fed actively selling bonds from uh, their portfolio. We might only see that if inflation continues to run hot. And I'm, by hot, I mean move even higher this year. Other, because that's have all three of those things going on at one time would be very stringent monetary policy. So that's definitely a big shift by the Fed compared to really what most estimates had put maybe three to six months ago. You know, ultimately, what impact do we expect that to have on our outlook when we look over 22 and in the 23? I think that's a, actually a pretty big shift from what people were looking for even just a couple of months ago. But what impact will it have? Monetary policy tends to impact the economy with a lag. So whether the Fed is easing or tightening, the uh, impact in the economy tends not to be contemporaneous. So Fed tightening this year may start to have an impact later in the year, the second half of the year, but the big impact will, will come next year. And I think part of the reason why we do have growth slowing next year is monetary policy tightening this year. But we shouldn't look for a significant slowing in economic activity this year from Fed tightening this year. Again, there are those lags. Now, Milton Friedman said the lags are, are long and variable. So we can't say with certainty when the Fed starts tightening, you'll see it in 
three months, six months, 12 months. Sometimes it's three months, sometimes it's six, sometimes it's 12, sometimes it's 18. But we know it will eventually happen. So I would look for the impact on the economy next year, not this year. Now, where we will see an impact, I think, is on long-term rates. We expect long-term interest rates to move up. And let's use the the 10-year Treasury yield as an example. So the 10-year Treasury yield at, uh, say, the beginning of December is about 1.45%. And that was even after the Fed forecasts were out. It wasn't terrible. And that's a low rate. But then when the Fed's minutes of that FOMC meeting came out where it said, oh, we might do more with quantitative tightening, you know, allowing those longer term securities to run off the balance sheet. Then interest rates went up and we got as high as almost 1.8 percent. I mean, it's back down to about one point in the low 1.7s now. But still, that's considerably higher than it was at the beginning of last year, considerably higher than it was at the uh, low point, which was about 60 basis points at the all-time low. So if the Fed tightens monetary policy, bringing up short-term rates, it should push long-term rates up as well. It's one of the things that impacts long-term rates is the expectation of where short-term rates are going to go. The other thing that will affect long-term rates is expected inflation. So inflation, I think, took most people by surprise, jumping up as much as it did. The question is, what are markets looking for inflation further out? And um, if you look at market-based views of inflation expectations, they're higher. They're up. They're not up nearly as much as inflation is. But we're looking rather than inflation sort of being expected around 2%, it's between 25 and 3 And that's going to put some upward pressure on long-term rates as well. The one positive thing is that there's still huge demand for treasuries, longer-term treasuries in particular, by especially institutional investors, because they are considered, rightly, risk-free assets. And particularly as those yields go up, they're going to be far more attractive to retirement plans, insurance companies, other institutions that look for long-term safe assets. So on net, we expect long-term rates to move up. The 10-year, probably to end 2022, between two and two and a quarter percent. So that's up by anywhere from from 25 to 50 basis points from current rates, not as much as short-term rates. So if you look as a measure of the yield curve as the spread between short rates and long rates, we do expect the yield curve to flatten that spread to to, uh, to narrow, but still to be relatively wide even by the end of uh, this year. That makes a lot of sense. You know, when you talk about the shift towards tightening policy, I think there's always the the other side of how are financial markets and equity markets going to respond to this? You know, you look at the flattening of the yield curve, you know, while it, we expect it to be flatter, it's not going to be certainly an inversion for any in the near time future. So what do we see from response from equity markets with the the change in borrowing rates and change in potential corporate profits as we look ahead for the next couple of years as well? You know, if you look historically, when the Fed starts to tighten monetary policy, equity markets tend not to react very much. Uh, and in part, it's because early on, there's not much impact on the economy. It's only after the Fed has tightened considerably. And then with that lag, does it have an impact on the economy? So eventually, Fed tightening 
will have an impact on equity markets, as it always does, by not necessarily causing them to go down, but certainly by not allowing them to go up as much. I think it's pretty fair to say that the very strong equity market gains we've had in recent years, while certainly pushed up by strong corporate profit growth, has been aided by tremendous liquidity that the Fed has added to the economy. You know, up until just, say, the last six months, all that Fed liquidity has not gone into the prices of goods and services, but you can say it's gone into asset prices, equities, houses, that sort of thing. Going forward, if there is less liquidity in the economy, there's a pretty good chance that the the upward momentum that additional liquidity is given equity markets will be removed. And again, that doesn't mean that equity prices will go down because corporate profits are still going to be pretty good with economic growth this year, probably still over 4%. But it does remove one of the things that has pushed equity prices higher. Uh, I guess I'll end up with one final question for you, David. You know, we've talked about you know, COVID lingering, we've talked about inflation being high. You know, what do you view as the biggest risk when we look at the 2022 outlook? Is it more on the macro side or, or is it more a concern of a, a policy error on the part of either on the fiscal or, or f- from the monetary front? You know, there are always potential risks out there. And I, I can think of three big ones right now. Geopolitics, always a risk. Uh, Russian forces are still next to Ukraine. They could invade. China continues to uh, overfly uh, Taiwanese uh, airspace. It could be something there. Iran is getting closer to a nuclear weapon. So there's lots of geopolitical things that could jump up and, and hit the economy uh, this year. You know, while the Omicron variant of COVID is far more transmissible, but um, less impactful in terms of health, there may be more variants. And while this one is less impactful, the next one may not be, although probably will be. Viruses tend to get less severe over time, not more. But, you know, COVID is something new. Perhaps we get a more severe one, and that could have an impact in the economy. But the third, and as you mentioned, is economic policy. The Fed is embarking on uh, what I think will be a multi-year move towards tightening. And it's hard to know how much it should tighten to slow the economy enough, to bring liquidity down enough, to bring inflation down without it doing too much. Um, So there's a risk that the Fed could tighten too much and cause the economy to slow and perhaps tip us into recession. On the other side of that, there's always the risk that the Fed tightens too slowly and inflation does not come down and we end up with a a more protracted period of time of higher inflation. So risks abound as they always do. Well, Ben, thank you. Uh, I think it was a great discussion. I hope uh, all of our listeners have a, a wonderful 2022. Thank you all very much. This podcast is for financial professional use only. The information provided by Nationwide Economics is general in nature and not intended as investment or economic advice or a recommendation to buy or sell any security or adopt any investment strategy. Additionally, it does not take into account any specific investment objectives, tax, and financial condition or particular needs of any specific person. The economic and market forecasts reflect our opinion as of the date of this report and are subject to change without notice. 
These forecasts show a broad range of possible outcomes. Because they are subject to high levels of uncertainty, they will not reflect actual performance. We obtain certain information from sources deemed reliable, but we do not guarantee its accuracy, completeness, or fairness. Nationwide and the Nationwide N and Eagle are service marks of Nationwide Mutual Insurance Company. Copyright Nationwide 2022.